0: Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon. Episode 7, Marshal Saint-Cyr, also known as the Owl of the French Army. Other nicknames include the Prudent One and the Bad Bedfellow. One of the most intriguing what-ifs of Napoleon's empire is this eccentric, analytical, and stoic marshal. Looking at his history and performance record, Saint-Cyr was clearly one of Napoleon's best generals. He fought in Italy, Germany, Spain, and Russia with an impressive battle record of 14 wins against only 4 losses. By some accounts, he never lost any battle. But he could not and would not work well with others, including Napoleon. His obstinacy knew no bounds, as we shall see. If only he could have cooperated with his brother marshals, or shared credit with others, his name would have been mentioned in that elite pantheon of Davout, Massena, and Lannes. Laurent Gouvian Saint-Cyr was born in a small town in northeastern France on April 13, 1764. He had a tough upbringing. His parents were young when they got married. His dad, Jean-Baptiste Goubian, was 21, and his mom, Anne-Marie Mercer, was 15. Notice that neither parent had the last name Cyr. His dad's profession was that of a tanner. The future marshal was the couple's oldest child. His parents had two other sons, but both died in infancy. His mom left the family in 1767 and never returned. Having lost both his brothers and mom by the age of four might have led to his extreme individualism and detached demeanor. As soon as Saint-Cyr turned 18, he left home for Rome, Italy to explore his artistic side. He had natural skill in drawing and painting. He even tried his hand in acting, but was considered too shy. He later attempted to find his mom in different towns throughout France. Failing this, he changed his surname to Saint-Cyr to disassociate from both parents. This again shows his self-reliance and that he only trusted one person, himself. After four years of wandering throughout Italy, he moved to Paris He settled down and married Anne Gouvion, who was also from his hometown, and by all accounts produced a happy marriage together. They were married for 20 years before they had their first child, a son, Laurent Francois. His wife passed in 1844, 14 years after the marshal did. His son lived until 1904. Getting back to the future marshal, the year of 1789 radically changed his life. The French Revolution began and the young, intelligent and artistic sense embraced the ideals that came along with it. The main attraction for him was getting credit for individual achievement, regardless of your social class. In September of 1792, he enlisted as a volunteer in the first battalion of Chasseurs Republicans. His leadership skills and natural brilliance quickly got him promoted to sergeant major. By November of that year, he was promoted to captain, which is pretty fast even by revolutionary France standards. His anti-royalist beliefs helped move him up the army's promotion ladder quickly. Eventually, Saint-Cyr's battalion was sent to the French Army of the Rhine under the command of General Custine. A story goes that the general was riding by Captain Saint-Cyr and noticed him sketching enemy positions along with detailed topography. The general was impressed and promoted him to his general staff in 1793. Saint Cyr also met future marshals Ney and debout at this time and became friendly with them both as much as his limited social skills would allow. The year spent on the topographical staff allowed him to study warfare, just like he studied art in Italy. As usual, he was a quick study. On September 14, 1793, the enemy Austrian army surprised the French army with an attack at Landremont. Saint-Cyr commanded four battalions of troops and stopped the Austrian attack cold. This battle highlighted Saint-Cyr's two major abilities as commander. His preference for mountain warfare, which suited his topography skills, and secondly, the use of proper cannon fire, followed by a strong cavalry charge. He was a master of setting up cannon batteries at hidden locations and using them to pummel enemy positions. Saint-Cyr earned a promotion to brigadier general on June 5th, 1794. That same month, he was promoted again to general of division. His quick rise to general and natural ability made him legendary amongst the troops of the French army. When they heard cannons booming through the mountains, the men would remark, quote, there is Cyr playing chess again, end quote. Others said he waged war with a detachment of a chess player. He never held troop reviews, never visited the wounded in hospitals, and rarely went to the front lines. He also avoided fancy uniforms. He wore a simple blue overcoat without epaulettes or medals. But he made up for these quirks with brilliant planning and tactics and an ability to outline clear detailed maps for his subordinates. In 1796, he was serving under Napoleon's main competitor in the French army, General Moreau. On April 2nd of that year, he had one of his biggest victories, With only one corps of troops, Sanzir defeated three-fourths of the opposing Austrian army, taking 5,000 prisoners. He assembled a Napoleon-like battery of 24 cannons and unleashed hell as his men moved forward under this cover. Sanzir enjoyed his time in the Army of the Rhine and took great care to not waste his men's lives in senseless assaults. In 1798, he received his first independent assignment as commander of the Army of Rome. It was a precarious first solo job as the population was near revolt and the troops were mutinous. Both groups of people were taxed heavily by the previous commander, General Massena. Of Massena's greed, it was said, quote, "'Not a garment of clothing, not a cup of wine, not a mouthful of food could reach a private soldier without paying a tax. End quote. Sancier immediately went to work, rounding up Rome's rabble-rousers and quelling the army mutineers with order and discipline. In 1799, he was dispatched to work under Moreau once again in Italy, where the Austrians and Russians under Suvorov were regaining all the territory Napoleon had won two years earlier. At the massive Battle of Novi, saint Cyr commanded the right wing and saved the French from total annihilation. His superb tactical retreat helped cover the French withdrawal through the mountains. In May of 1800, he won another dazzling victory against the Austrians at the second battle of Baberich, inflicting 4,000 casualties while receiving only 2,000. For his efforts, Saint Cyr received a saber of honor sent from Napoleon himself. In 1801, he succeeded Lucien Bonaparte as ambassador of Spain. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, You're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. He had some accomplishments, such as inducing Portugal to break off relations with its oldest ally, England. But his cool, detached temperament wasn't suited for the corrupt court of the Spanish, and he was recalled in 1803. The following year was a difficult one for Saint-Cyr. In May of 1804, the list of 18 marshals was published, and Saint-Cyr was not on the list, despite being one of the better generals in the army. Later that year, during Napoleon's coronation as Emperor of the French, Saint-Cyr opted not to attend. He flat-out refused to sign a petition passed amongst the French officer corps, That asked Napoleon to make himself emperor. Napoleon was always suspicious of Saint Cyr for serving under his nemesis, Moreau. Indeed, if we consider yearly endowments given to the marshals during the emperor's reign, Saint Cyr received the lowest amount, totaling 30,211 francs per year. Meanwhile, eight different marshals received over 200,000 francs annually. In 1805, he and General Rainier captured a large Austrian force at the Battle of Castelfranco. He was then ordered to Naples to prevent that royal court from cooperating with the British. He was placed under the command of Marshal Messina, who sans cyr despised for shameless looting. Furious at losing his independent command, he sent a letter of resignation to Messina and left for Paris without permission. Saint Cyr arrived there on the morning of January 5, 1806. Upon hearing this, a furious Napoleon informed Saint Cyr that if he didn't return to his post by the afternoon, he would have him shot. Wisely, Saint made his way back to Italy. But this episode increased Napoleon's distrust in him. Saint returned to Naples to support Napoleon's brother Joseph. Who was on the throne of the Neapolitan Kingdom? When he completed this assignment, he returned home in 1806 for two years of much deserved downtime. He purchased a lovely home, the Chateau de Reveilleux, which still exists today. Workwise, he busied himself with maintaining France's port facilities and fortifications. Meanwhile, Napoleon's other generals, were busy conquering Austria, Prussia, and Poland. Not that the Stoic sons there cared. When I use the word Stoic, it goes back to Roman times in the reign of Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Stoicism is still in use today and has been used by many military figures over the millennia. Essentially, it means to stay calm and serene regardless of what life throws at you. Saint-Cyr was surrounded by generals and soldiers who were seeking money, glory, land, gold, artwork, and other treasures. His stoicism and cold demeanor made him a difficult man to like and know for both his troops and peers. Finally, in 1809, Napoleon brought the talented general back to the front lines, this time in Spain. He was assigned to command the Army Corps of Catalonia. It was a tough assignment, as it required holding a large mountainous territory against the Spanish army and guerrilla soldiers. He only had a mixed force of 48,000 French, Italian, Swiss, and German troops to hold it. They won battles at Corda Molina Molinas de Re, and Valls, but could not take the fortress of Girona. At this last instance, Napoleon grew impatient and replaced him with Marshal Augeroux. The siege of Girona had lasted four months already, so Napoleon thought a change of leadership would move things along. Unfortunately, Saint-Cyr did not wait around for this new commander to show up and left his troops before Augeroux arrived. This again earned the ire of Napoleon, who put Saint-Cyr on house arrest in his chateau for 18 months. Augereau eventually forced Girona to surrender after a seven-month siege. Later, in 1812, Sansir was again recalled to service in the biggest undertaking ever by the Grand Armee, the invasion of Russia. Cyr was ordered to cover the northern flank of the invasion under Marshal Udeno and Polotsk. In August, the Russians, under General Wittgenstein, attacked Polotsk and almost had a total victory. Marshal Oudinot is a fine commander, but was always hesitant to bring his cannons into the front lines as he was worried about losing them to capture. The Battle of Polotsk featured 30,000 Russians attacking Oudinot's 24,000 troops. Oudinot was injured early in the battle and handed command over to San the shrewd general snatched victory from certain defeat. He retreated towards the river around Polotsk and concealed his troops in the natural topography in the area. The next morning, he launched a surprise attack that carried the day. San suffered less than 1,000 casualties, while the Russians were thrashed with 3,000 casualties along with 1,500 prisoners and 20 cannons lost. This finally earned Sanseer his marshal's baton. True to his nature, he sent a long letter to his wife at that time and only mentioned his promotion in one sentence. But it meant a lot to him to achieve this, even though he probably deserved the marshal's baton eight years earlier. In October, he retired from the front lines in Russia due to a wound that took a few months to recover from. In early 1813, He came down with typhus and again had to convalesce. In August, he was fully recovered and took over command of the French Corps of Troops based in Dresden. In 1813, following the disastrous retreat of Napoleon from Russia, the Emperor had won two major battles against the Allies at Lutzen and Bautzen. Following these successes, Napoleon agreed to an armistice with the Allies to reinforce and refit his troops. The Allies did the same. The armistice ended, and the Allies advanced to surround Dresden with 230,000 troops. San could only oppose them with 19,000 infantry and 5,500 cavalry. But, like a master chess player, he positioned them well to hold off the Allies until Napoleon arrived with reinforcements. This would be the first time San worked side-by-side with Napoleon. Both men were impressed with each other. Napoleon remarked, quote, he is the best man among us in the line of defense, though I am superior to him in attack, End quote. For many reasons, the Allies dawdled in front of Dresden and did not immediately attack. This gave Napoleon time to show up with 155,000 troops to reinforce St. Cyr. I can only imagine the Allied troops' despair when they heard the shouts of Vive l'Empereur. The ensuing battle of Dresden resulted in the allies being defeated by Napoleon yet again, and they withdrew. Cyr remained with Napoleon at Dresden and recommended a strong, dramatic offensive with a united French army. Oddly, against Cyr's advice, Napoleon broke apart his force and pursued the allies piecemeal. Soon after, Marshal MacDonald's troops were beaten by the Prussians under Blücher and General Van Damme's pursuit force was utterly routed by the allies and the general himself was captured. saint Cyr couldn't believe that he would not be involved in the epic battle of Leipzig where Napoleon broke one of his cardinal rules. That maxim is as follows. At the decisive moment of a campaign, all possible forces must be concentrated in a central position. But Napoleon went in a different direction. He felt he needed to maintain his hold on Germany, with Saint-Cyr in Dresden and Marshal de holding Hamburg. Saint-Cyr was ordered to stay in Dresden and hold it at all costs, with 22,000 troops and eight days of rations. These troops could have been better utilized at Leipzig. Following the horrific loss for Napoleon at the subsequent Battle of Nations, as Leipzig was called, Cyr's troops were blockaded in Dresden. He and his soldiers slowly starved, but he sternly forbade looting and requisitioning from the locals. He finally capitulated on November 11th and was taken as a prisoner of war. He was repatriated after Napoleon's abdication of the throne in 1814. He didn't flock to the returning King Louis XVIII as the other marshals did. When Louis fled in 1815 during Napoleon's return, Saint-Cyr stayed at his chateau during the Hundred Days reign. Following Waterloo, he accepted the position of Minister of War under King Louis. He was unable, however, to prevent the dissolution of the Imperial Army. France was heavily in debt, and King Louis wanted a smaller army consisting of fervent royalists, no matter how incompetent they were as soldiers. Saint-Cyr also did everything in his power to prevent the execution of his old friend and brother marshal, Ney. He gave him a passport to get out of the country, but Ney was captured. Saint-Cyr then assembled a jury of four other Napoleonic marshals, but was thwarted when Marshal Montcy refused to even sit in it. In 1817, he finally made important strides in shaping the French army into a national force rather than a dynastic force. He believed in a well-organized, well-trained military force with a clear set of rights and duties. It is this legacy of Saint-Cyr which remains in most professional armies today. Saint Cyr also established training schools for general staff officers and quartermasters. In 1819, he retired from his post to his chateau where he spent his remaining years raising his son, farming, and penning his memoirs. In 1830, he suffered a major heart attack and passed away on March 17th of that year. Of Saint Cyr's memory, one of his fellow officers said of him, quote, it was impossible to find a calmer man. The greatest dangers, disappointments, successes, defeats, were alike unable to move him. In the presence of every sort of contingency, he was like ice, End quote. I think this is a good point for us to finish our episode. Join us again next time when we will discuss the hard luck career of Marshal Jordan with the unfortunate nickname of the Anvil because he was hammered so many times in battle. But we will get into that on the next episode. Thanks for listening.